1: Hey, Is welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. This is your favorite movies, video games, and comic books podcast. And I've noticed in listening to the old episodes that sometimes I say games. <laughs> so this is your favorite movies, video games, and comic book podcast. Um, that's just what happens when you come from Texas and you haven't totally gotten rid of that drawl. Uh, you just roll through words. It's also what happens when you're super enthusiastic about talking about things every week with you guys. And I appreciate you guys being here this week and hopefully you've been with us weeks before. If not, we're here on Westwood one now, recording the Westwood one studios and our last couple episodes have been good ones. If you've listened to, if you've actually seen guardians of the galaxy volume two, it's kind of a big movie right now. We have a special that we just did with Ian Kerner, where we go through all like the Easter eggs, the nitty gritty. We tell you what we thought of the movie. It's an hour-long conversation just about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, so that is up on the feed. Before that, we had our friend Jeffrey Reddick, who wrote a movie called Dead Awake. He also created the Final Destination franchise, so if you're a horror fan, go back and listen to that episode. And before that, we talked all comics with my friend Mike Wellman in preparation for Free Comic Book Day, which hopefully you went and... uh, We're a part of like hopefully you got some new some like free comics and got into comic books that's what we're trying to do is get you guys into this stuff maybe you listen to the show because you're just into video games and e3 is coming up and we're going to do that maybe you're just into the show because you like comics and movies isn't quite your thing yet or vice versa that's just what we're trying to do is spread the love want to tell you guys before we get into the episode right now to go visit our friends at loot crate go to loot crate.com slash geekscape use the promo code geekscape for your subscription and what you're going to get every month depending on which one you select is you're either going to get the regular loot crate box which is going to have some really cool stuff in it every month it's got a different theme um there's the dx box which is like their super awesome big box like you get a lot of like statues in there and i think you get a shirt in every loot crate but the dx box got me like this really cool like batman keychain holder thing (laughs) it was pretty cool i mean here's the thing i don't really lose my keys that much i always have a place to put them in my apartment and if i uh (laughs) don't put them there i do freak out but come on i'm kind of ocd so i just put it there now batman can watch my keys which helps uh and i gotta thank loot crate for that one um and and every and there's also like a slam crate if you're a wrestling fan there's a horror crate there is a gaming crate loot crate gaming there's a loot Wear if you want to get new clothes every month that is geek themed and there's also uh, Loot Anime. So if you're an anime and manga fan, there's a, there's a crate for you. Basically, what I'm telling you is Loot Crate's got a box for you. Go to LootCrate.com slash Geekscape, throw in the promo code Geekscape, and you're going to get a discount. All right? So now that we've talked about our sponsors, let's get the show started. My good friend right here, Jeff Grace, is sitting near me. He's no stranger to Geekscape. He was on Geekscape about three or four years ago. Yeah. Promoting an uh, Indiegogo Kickstarter. Promoting a Kickstarter for the film that is out this weekend. And it is called uh, Folk Hero and Funny Guy. And let me tell you, Geeks Campus, usually we do, we, do, we do promote some Kickstarters and Indiegogos here on the show. And usually those things don't make it past the finish line. Sometimes they don't make it past the finish line of their campaign. Uh, and how many times have you guys donated to something and all of a sudden you're like, wait, whatever happened to that? Yeah. <laughs> Did that thing ever come out? Uh, I went to the Los Angeles premiere is it was the LA premiere. Yeah,
0: it was the Los Angeles
1: premiere. I went to the Los Angeles premiere of this movie on Thursday, and not only did Jeff make this movie, he made a movie that will probably end up being in one of my top ten. It'll probably be in my top ten list at the end of the year. I thought it was incredible. The the, the premise of the movie. Talk about it a little bit, Jeff, because uh, I know you talked about it <laughs> on your, originally on Geekscape, but yeah. hopefully we have some new listeners. Um, you pretty much made this movie yourself. You're an actor. I'm an actor. And a comedian. And a comedian, and you said, hey, I'm going to make my own film.
0: And I had been on the show before with Todd Berger, <laughs> who um, we had made a movie together called It's a Disaster, which is an end-of-the-world uh, couples comedy, um, and that was a movie he directed and wrote. And after that film, I kind of felt like I, I had produced it and acted in it, and this was a film that I felt like um, I had wrote for myself to you know write and direct. So this is my directorial debut. Um. So uh, it was kind of a big step, and uh, creatively, kind of throwing myself out there and seeing how it went. And I think the movies turned out as well as I could have hoped. I'm glad you like it too. And I don't like it. Oh, Okay. Well, I loved. It wasn't for everyone.
1: No, I loved the movie. Oh, thank uh, you. It's a disaster. I liked a lot too. It's got David Cross in it. Uh, who else is in the? Uh, it's a disaster. I remember. It's, 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 a disaster. it's all you guys.
0: Julia Stiles. Julia Cross, And then the and guys from the Vacation like Todd Berger, Kevin Brennan.
1: Lays you have manner. uh basically you have this brunch and this is it's a disaster you have this brunch and while they're all brunching and there's different all sorts of uh different dynamics and politics yeah. going on and interpersonally there's word that a dirty bomb has gone off mm-hmm. in la and they have to like basically quarantine themselves in this house and it magnifies all of the <laughs> now they have to work their shit out yeah and it's a great way to do a contained kind of comedy drama you know it was fun yeah. uh and you in. You're a massive Alpha Flight fan in that movie, so you are the comic book nerd in that movie. I play a comic book nerd in the movie. It's a disaster. And by nerd, we mean affectionately. Like if you yeah. ever listen to Geekscape, we say geek, Scable, well, I geek am or nerd, a like, real life comic book nerd. So <laughs> yeah. I hope it's affectionately. <laughs> yeah, that is that is a badge of honor. Um, so you're you're making that movie. And in where the where like the ideas for folk hero and funny guy start to come out because um, from the Q and A on. Thursday night. I and I didn't know this before. It was the this this movie has Alex Karpovsky in it, Wyatt Russell, uh Meredith uh, I've never seen uh Meredith Hagner
0: before. She's amazing. Meredith Hagner is gonna be I mean she's the next, I think, Cameron Diaz
1: or She's amazing. Yeah. Um but Alex Karpovsky, you guys know from girls. Um Wyatt Russell was in uh, the last Link Later movie, mm-hmm. which I loved. Everybody wants some. Everybody wants some. Uh and where did the idea for this come out? Because at the Q and A again, like I didn't know that. you had kind of written Alex's role for yourself based on your own Mm -hmm. experiences.
0: Yeah, and originally when we did the Kickstarter, which you guys were nice enough to let us plug on here, and a a lot of your supporters, I think, actually contributed, so thank you guys out there for that. Um, (laughs) And, you know, Kickstarter is what you know you think. It's it's seed money. It's not all the money. You know, we couldn't make a movie for $50,000, although people do. This movie ended up being more about a half million dollars all said and done. And, um, you know, so we got that money together, and... um, What happened is I had written it for myself to act in and possibly go on tour with a real-life musician that I'm friends with named Adam Ezra. He has a song. Is this a swear-friendly show? Yeah, yeah, of course. He has a song called Desperate Plea from the Heart of a Shithead. And in that, he tells a story about creating a fake tour to go end up in the the hometown of a girl um, who's about to get married, and he wants to just let her know that, like, hey, I think you're the one, and what about me?
1: And, and and did you know Adam? Yeah, I'm good okay. friends I'm You're, good friends with Adam. Okay. Yeah,
0: and we we were uh when I I was working in advertising m- through most of my 20s, he was fully committed to being a, a singer-songwriter in Chicago. I was doing second city and um you know, guys that you might know like I was in the comedy stand-up comedy scene with guys like TJ Miller who's big in the comic book space from Deadpool and uh, Kyle canane and Pete Holmes and Kumail from Silicon Valley Mm -hmm. and you know all those guys who have now really gotten really big um I was sort of dabbling in that scene but not fully committed and so this movie is really about um sort of about a semi-fictional version of my life um and exploring a lot of the themes that I went through so I left advertising around the age of like 30 something and dove into this world real late in life and sort of those doubts you go through when you're pursuing something artistic I'm sure you go through too when you're you know, I'm sure there's a version of you that could be a <laughs> corporate guy, and maybe you'd be making more money doing it too. Sure. Um, but instead, you're following your dream, you're building your own empire, your own, um, you know, your own creative endeavors. And but I'm sure there's those nights and days where you're like, is this going to work out? Is Geekscape gonna? Is it going to be
1: the thing? Is, is this it, ever going to work? Is ever going to work? <laughs> is right? Is ever going to work? I had that conversation with George, my my partner in Geekscape, like I think over the weekend because we're looking at Comic Con and. I hope you Geekscapists are there. Comic-Con will have the booth, uh, and I'd love to meet you guys. Um, And I I was like, okay, man, so uh, the Westwoodland thing is great, and... Let's let's figure out what else we can do. <laughs> that's just what yeah. I. That's how we are, though, where we're like, but okay, it, but this is, is awesome. growing, and I'm sure. Let's see what the next thing is. Let's just keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's keep you pushing the assets. It's like if you ever lose
0: weight, like if you ever like start working out or something like that, and like you don't notice all of a sudden that you've lost like ten pounds over a year, but everyone else is like, what
1: that? What you're skinny you? now? You? Kevin I... Brendan uh, squeezed my muscles. Oh yeah, at the premiere. There you go. Well, so it's you're getting. I didn't want
0: to go into your body type. Eagles, you know, what's and, happening? You, you do look more muscular than I've last remembered. <laughs> but no, for me too, I see sure the growth was. of your company in this in this enterprise. Every time I've been on the show or seen you, like I, you know, last time we weren't quite in an, as impressive a studio as we are now. And so, right, um, I see that. You know, I see the growth. But I'm sure there's probably a part of you that's like, what's Nerdist doing that I'm not doing, or you know, who's the biggest of all of them? You know, I don't know.
1: Uh, the, the the ones I admire, honestly, like the the podcasts that I listen to that I admire are uh, Mark Maron. I just listened to him on the drive over. Right. I think he's amazing. Uh, Tim Ferriss. I listen to Tim Ferriss' I'm podcast. A huge, I'm a
0: huge Tim Ferriss fan.
1: And uh, I listen to... We don't have to go here, but I listen to a Utah Jazz podcast every day. A Utah... With, with David Locke. Oh, okay, the, well, we we're the both basketball junkies. We're both big basketball fans, and our teams did meet in the playoffs. It was, again... The Clip, well, I can't even go into the Clippers. That's what I'm but saying. We can't go into that.
0: I feel like the Utah Jazz suffered the fate that I actually was glad the Clippers were, were spared, which was to go up against the Golden State Warriors and go out
1: 4-0. Well, they went out 4-0, but they went out 4-0 without George Hill. I think they would have won game three with yeah. George Hill. Right. George Hill did not play the last three games, and we'll see if that... Deals, but Geekscape is that is all sports it's, talk. It's more of a sports free. That, that is here. it. This is kind of a sports free environment. Although I kind of do want to have David Locke call into the show because oh, yeah? he's so stats heavy. So yeah. I don't know if you guys are stats fans or math fans or any of that stuff. But he he makes these statistical algorithms and he talks about them on the show and they play out pretty well. I mean he he's got it pretty locked down uh, and he predicted that series and I did not. When I was sitting in my seat on that game one the Leading center, I think the best center in the league goes out with an ankle injury. Eleven years, eleven seconds of the game, and I almost just like stood back up and left the arena. So he predicted that you guys
0: would still win even without. Yes. Yeah. So I think yeah. I do think though because I'm a comic book fan and
1: because the bench is so deep.
0: Yeah, in the that play, makes sense. Yeah, so no, but I think and it, I think weirdly NBA fandom is way more geeky and nerdy. What is the better term? I think
1: baseball is the word. It's like if you're thinking. But baseball is so boring. NBA has this
0: exciting on-floor product combined with this real statistical analysis. And what I like about NBA fandom is that basketball is probably the hardest sport to quantify. And therefore, the attempt to quantify it is somewhat more theoretical. And actually, the mathematics behind it are kind of, I think, I think pretty interesting. And I'm a guy who's kind of math phobic. Sure. um, I don't know. That's as, I, as much no, as we I'm can talk I'm about. I'm with you, NBA. and that's why I want
1: that's why I want Dave on the show. This <laughs> like yeah. I, I haven't even asked him yet. I'm gonna send him an email I'm like, hey, it's the off season, you mind calling into the show and talking about math with me because it's Geekscape and you're one of the only podcasts I listen to. Uh no, I, I get what you're saying, and and I and if I do look up, I do see the growth, but when you're working in a job that is basically a factory yeah, and it's soul crushing. You probably don't get that macro view of your life where every now and then you take a snapshot and see the growth. You know, and well, you're, you're sitting here just... in advertising, and it's rough. And Alex is now playing the character, and I think what you did—you did a really good job of portraying that reality for him. I mean, guys, I'm not this. This movie is going to be my top ten list. I thought it was beautiful, um, and it resonates with you exactly for the reasons that Jeff is saying that. I think that we all find those periods in your life, you may be in one right now, where you just don't know where anything is headed, (laughs) and all you can do is get up in the morning uh, and keep doing what you're doing, but there's no promise it will lead to anything, and then there's also that giant risk of saying, hey, I'm going to take a leap of faith and go for this dream passionately and make this my reality, and there's no guarantee that this is going to work. It could all go down in flames. And so what happens in this movie is Wyatt Russell's character is a successful folk singer. And, yeah. I mean, he's about to blow up on a national. Uh, he's already really popular.
0: He's the guy that everything, everything he tried just sort of worked. worked. I mean, yeah. Wyatt Russell, I think, said in the Q&A that you're at, he's the kind of guy that did like one open mic night and happened to have like uh, an Major, A&R representative yeah. there and was <laughs> like, I think we can do big things with you. And then off to the races, whereas there's like maybe a more talented guy out there who just missed that intersection or didn't quite spark to someone, or maybe didn't have the, the looks or the, and um, and I think we've all known, I've always had friends in my life that have, like some of these guys, you know, that are always like guys that seem like everything kind of falls the right way for, yeah. and, um, and other guys that maybe it's more of a struggle, and that's sort of the, sort of a, a you know, a, sort of a speech that Karpovsky's character gives at the end of the movie that uh, speaks to that note, and... I mean, it's a comedy first and foremost sure. maybe may making this movie sound like it's a big downer but the message of the movie is a bit ambiguous as to um cause i think you know there's a lot of people i know that have nine to fives and the focus of their life is actually more about what they do with their family and then the kids on the weekend and the job is just the job and i don't know i think part of it's like i think i'm wired in a way and maybe you are too that i, I don't know if i can do that i mean mm-hmm. i did it for a while and now i, I feel like uh, maybe if I had kids and I really had to put food on the table, and it was just not working out on this side of things. What
1: are talking about? His responsibilities?
0: Responsibilities. <laughs> I've avoided having responsibilities. I have a girlfriend. That's about as much as I can be responsible for. And, and who's incredibly supportive. Of and my, what happens
1: in the movie is that this this pretty successful folk hero. You know, they're they they're friends from childhood. He shows up in a van one day and says, "Hey, man, I want you to come out." with me and do some of your stand-up and he's like hey man i'm doing like open mic nights like i'm not right. i'm not a national stand-up act and he said i'm doing a smaller bar tour come out with me we'll yeah. just do a couple dates down the east coast and uh wyatt's character hires alex's character kind of recruits him kind of <laughs> kind of spontaneously just grabs him and kidnaps right. him
0: forces some, him to her. on tour he forces just got, him on yeah.
1: this tour and what Alex finds out alex's character finds out later on is that why it's head over heels with this girl who lives in the town on the last stop, and he's along for, um, you know, support, so he's not going about this last hurrah alone.
0: And he's more there to be a wingman than maybe a legitimate opening act,
1: right? And there are different me- mechanics that happen. They meet uh, Meredith's character, who's just starting out as a singer songwriter, and um, and there's like the love triangle dynamics that may or may not be happening. The movie's got a lot going on and how long did it take you to write this? Cause I, I, I was blown. I really was blown away by this movie, Jeff.
0: Oh, thanks. I, you know, weirdly, I think this is probably true for my, like true for anyone's first, anything. The script was one of those, like in my head for a long time. I wrote it in five days, um, for a Sundance labs application. And, um, so it really just poured out of me, but I had it in my head for a real long time. Uh, I'm finding that when I'm writing my, you know, follow-up stuff now <laughs> that they don't come out of my head and onto mm-hmm. the page in five days. Um, but that was an idea that had been per- percolating a lot. And, of course, from that first draft to the f- shooting, you know, you work with the actors, you workshop the script, you have producers that give comments, you have friends and family that will, you know, gl- gladly read the script and tell you what they think. And and I'm pretty open to that kind of feedback. So, um, But generally speaking, the, the basic structure of it is, um, pretty heavily in that first draft and then um, just, you know, making it funnier, um, you know, kind of adding some maybe some set pieces and stuff like that um, to kind of, you know, just make it a, as funny as it could be. Like and, the threesome scene. that Yeah, that was actually a scene I wrote yeah. later. I just I remember that there was like, I feel like there's like a something missing in this movie or something mm-hmm. I could do to amp up the um, comedy in it. Amp up the or... comedy and it was sort of pulled from a, a real life experience I had at one point in my life. So, Did you um, really? Yeah, uh, <laughs> there was a um, uh, without going into too much detail. There was a girl. <laughs> I'm not gonna ask name. That proposition, but... me and another guy, and me and this guy were in the bathroom, like like
1: negotiating and, and, this. Situation. And literally, the guy
0: I was with is like, I think it's weird if we don't do it. And I was like, I don't know. It, it feels a little, you know, I don't know. And we're like, arguing in the bathroom while this girl's like out in the, in, in the hotel, like be- uh, sitting on the bed, like waiting to find out if we're we're game or not. And so I just thought that it was a funny experience and, um, yeah, those things always seem much cooler in real life until you're
1: actually in them. And then it's like, this is kind of weird, right? <laughs> it, um, it will be, and it will only get weirder yeah. as you progress. I think yes. like if you think it's weird at the onset, <laughs> it will probably only get worse. So like that bathroom scene that you were in with, a, with another man wondering if you guys are both going to like take this woman, you know, is yeah. that was the least weird yeah, that it gets weird.
0: It gets way weirder. Uh, I think we can all agree that the female, female, male version of a three way is less, uh, less has less uh, challenges to it. Or, um, but the but that's a it? male perspective on that. That's a male perspective, hundred percent.
1: But it, most women you talk to will be like, no way, like what? No, Girl, girls not- prefer
0: probably the other version.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they probably just. Well, I think most people just. The way I say it is, you know what? I can disappoint one person at a time. I don't need to throw another person in the That's mix. Like, exactly I think, right. let's just, you know, let's keep this thing simple.
0: Well, they call the male, male, female version of a three-way, the devils. At what point three-way.
1: does it just become a human centipede?
0: <laughs> you just start <laughs> adding people. It's like, Don't, come don't on. bring that imagery into my mind Come right on. I'm still, like, trying to, still trying to squash that movie from my, my imagination. You
1: watched it? Oh, yeah. I remember one weekend, like, Gilmore and a bunch of the, the geeks gave us went to see it. And I was like, why did you guys go to that? And they just came out like shaking their heads. And then keep in mind, this thing has two sequels. Um, so the movie, your, your movie's available now on VOD. Yeah. Folk Hero and Funny Guy. Um, guys, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, if you're in LA or uh, certain cities, you can check on Folk hero and Funny Kind
0: of the top 10 cities.
1: Yeah. Population wise. Go and watch it. I loved the movie. I thought it, uh, the music's really good. Mm-hmm. And so I'm guessing Wyatt and uh, Meredith are both musicians.
0: <laughs> well, they are. I mean, not in that they both are music have a lot of musical ability, but neither are ongoing musicians. They don't like tour or play. So that was an interesting thing where they really, they really spent months memorizing and and well, not in Meredith's case. In Meredith's case, she actually had a very short. The, the, you probably know this, but my. My uh, I was engaged to be married, and the, originally, Liza Oppenheimer was the girl I was uh, engaged to be married to, uh, was going to be the star of the film.
1: And you know what the story is with that is, at at the after party, people were just assuming that you and I were like the greatest of friends, mm-hmm. and we are friends, but I don't know, I don't think we know the particulars of our private lives, oh, yeah, and so people were like, oh, you, you remember, oh yeah, Liza, I was listening to the two <laughs> people talk, and they were like, Well, when Liza, and it was like, and then they were like, "Oh, Liza, Jonathan, you know about," and I was just like, "I just, I was like, oh yeah, 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 I don't need to learn any of this. Like, this is all, (laughs) this is all someone else's private matter, and it's okay. Like, I don't." don't Well, she was in the
0: Kickstarter, so a lot of people knew. Okay, they were like, "What happened to the other actress?" (laughs) Um, And it was really more of a, you know, we did end up not, we ended up breaking off our engagement, which was sort of parallel the movie. Although I wrote the movie long before sure. we were engaged, and, you and it, it was a very amicable um, breakup, um, and Liza was also very much like I don't think we could probably make be in the movie together if we're not, you know, sure. going to be getting married. So that, but we had to find a replacement for her in like six weeks, mm-hmm. and so um, Meredith Hagner happened to have uh, some songs that she'd been kind of percolating on in her like you know in her mind, and she was really eager to get the part. Um, and she sent me two songs kind of recorded in her apartment on, you know, kind of YouTube links, private YouTube links. And they were awesome. And they end up being in the movie. A lot of Adam, a lot of Jason Black's, the character Jason Black in the movie. Those are songs by Adam Ezra.
1: Uh-huh, and and then, that's, well, that's
0: uh, Wyatt's character. Yeah, That's Wyatt's character, Wyatt Russell. And then Meredith and Wyatt uh, had a lot of chemistry um, and they started writing music together. Oh, Wow. And so two of their songs, they wrote only like a week or two before the movie, I end up creating a scene, the David Cross scene, I created so they could showcase that song mm-hmm. called um, Keep the Dog, and then that song, New Cadillac, was uh, a last minute, like, let's shoot it in the park and see if it can make it into the movie, and then I just made it into the montage scene, so.
1: I loved that. So- and, and
0: Meredith and Wyatt now are been dating for two years, they met on the movie, and. What? Yeah.
1: What? Yep, that's so they, awesome.
0: And they live they live down the kind of like a, a block or two away from me in Silver Lake. Yeah,
1: that's crazy. So, um I was going to ask about that montage scene because a lot of that stuff it's you know the director's job to pre-visualize so much of that mm-hmm. stuff. um You can only it's you know it's it's like a it's like that one bed cover that you can't quite <laughs> get all the corners. Yeah, you know, and uh, sometimes when you're when you when you don't have the budget you need or you don't have the time you need. Um, you just have to go for it and one of those corners comes out and you can pre-visualize the scenes that you're really passionate about they're the ones with the speech you loved that you wrote or the you know or you can say you know what i'm pretty sure i know that we're going to have some tra- like for instance this film we're gonna have some traveling scenes so we're going to go out with a car and a camera car and we're just going to find those scenes that we're just going to find those shots um something like a montage which has so much to do with because I, I think you can overlook it i think with the with montage you can not design it and just say hey we're just going to take a bunch of footage from the movie or we'll improvise a bunch of situations you'll mess up things like you'll miss your opportunities to do things like creative edits yeah um camera direction uh because sometimes you're shooting these montages you're shooting those pieces whenever you get a chance because you're shooting them at before and after other scenes yeah Because, oh, it's going to go into the montage. So you can see with days between these shots that you can just completely miss the boat on some of these visual uh, consistencies that you're going to need in a montage. So you're telling me that this song that carried the montage was just a song you shot in the park. And you said, oh, we're going to put that under a montage. Was the montage visually already designed, yet not put to music? Well, so we
0: originally we had a different song in there that was an Adam Ezra song. And then... Uh, there was a day that I knew that we'd have a like a, maybe an extra forty five minutes, and I said look, we're going to be in a park, and if it's not raining out, we'll just shoot you guys singing the song. Mm-hmm. To to Wyatt and Meredith's Testament, I, I was surprised because I had to recently go back and look at the um live the actual because they recorded all the movie live in the film. Mm-hmm. So everything you hear is them playing guitar and singing live. I think there's one guitar track is a backing track for Meredith because she had it was a little bit of complicated guitar work. She's a better singer than she is a guitar player. Wyatt is uh, uh, is really accomplished on both sides. Um, which only makes you hate him more. Which makes makes you hate him more. Um, <laughs> beautiful golden locks, former hockey player, and oh, wow. um, yeah, he's a former professional hockey player too. Just to throw that's that enough. into the mix. That's yeah. enough. It's, a, it's getting you know, greedy. Uh, that's enough. Um, so um, yeah, we shot that in two takes, and and what was funny is almost all the songs in the movie, two takes. So mm-hmm. we would do one pass of the song, another pass of the song, and we had to move on which for the actors was a little stressful, but they really stepped up and just kind of put it up there all into it. And um, I hope, you know, one day we want to we do like an album of the music in the film. We just haven't been able to get Meredith and Wyatt, who are both having their kind of moment right now. Meredith's the star of um, a show called Search Party and TBS in their second season. Wyatt just got cast in the lead in Overlord, the next J.J. Abrams-produced uh, film that uh, you and I were talking before the before the podcast it may yeah. or may not be a cloverfield film. We don't know yet. Why it says it's definitely not. Um and so yeah. Um but yeah, in terms of pre-visualizing, I, this movie was basically uh not the kind of movie you could do a lot of interesting camera work with because there was so much content. Mm-hmm. we shot everything on zooms just to cut down on even to the time of changing lenses. Um so we just, you know, shoot, you know, we'd shoot the the master, then we'd shoot the the medium, shoot the close up, I mean, but without even changing lenses.
1: Are you well what was the length of that zoom lens?
0: I mean, it's like a seven. It was like a. It was like a thirty-five through like, you know, I mean, like
1: through like one ten or something. Okay, so you just so you really couldn't do any wide-angle type things. Well, if we if, we, had, it, if, if we the thirty-five do, was basically it. If you have to do any specialty shots, you'd be able to get like a twenty-two or something. yeah, exactly. On that. I mean, we we basically but I mean, it I, would, but it would eat time.
0: We had some shots where we would use like you know prime lenses, but. Um, but generally speaking, we were just, you know, throughout the day, we just like, we could, we just want to shoot as fast as we can, right. shot two cameras as well. So you're shooting, you know, two different lengths at the same time. Um, so we in had to move very fast. In the performances or in all the scenes? What
1: was that? In the performances or in all the scenes, Were you going with the two cameras? Well, in the
0: performances, we went with three cameras. Okay. So really, that's why we could do two takes just because we we're capturing anything. And I think in, in a, with, we had more money, I would love to go back in and shoot those the musical scenes a little bit more interestingly i think there was just wasn't time i would be like i had all these um, i had ideas about steady cams, going on stage turning around getting in the audience no, no
1: no don't do that it just it, there's such a sincerity of this movie which may be its greatest like w- w- it, the movie's fucking hilarious well i don't think it, i'll ever go back and appreciate yeah, it yeah. so don't worry no, i know i know lucas it's <laughs> so like it's so like in just in talking to you there the movie is very 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 funny guys uh, and the music is very, very good, and the drama is very, also very good. I, I, Again, I love this movie. Um, but in talking to you, I think what I enjoyed the most about the movie that I'm finally just coming around to is that, like we're just describing a movie that's in, intensely sincere, and uh, there are scenes in the movie that will just hurt to watch because we've all been there where we are the third wheel, which is there's sequences in this movie where Alex's character sees what's happening between these two people who have this bond of music. And he's the guy out with the with the microphone who is slowly realizing or quickly realizing at some points that he's the odd man out, and he was brought up on this tour for reasons that were not being uh, clear to him or being made clear to him, and, and he's he's on the, he's the third fucking wheel, and it sucks. And geekscape, it's like we've all been the third wheel or we've all been friend zoned. And there's parts of this movie where you see a lot of that happening, and there's also parts of this movie where you where you start to realize that as you get older, maybe some friendships have just run their course. Maybe Mm -hmm. some relationships have just run their course and that's hard. So there are hard parts of this movie and you, and you treat them very sincerely. The flaw in a movie like this, it can fall into is the let's have a threesome scene in chasing Amy. As much as I love chasing Amy, Mm -hmm. everybody loves chasing Amy because chasing Amy is a fucking awesome movie. The threesome scene feels like it comes out of nowhere because there's I nothing sexual funny, about. I haven't seen that movie
0: since it was in the theater. Right. So was that? Was that? A, what was the threesome was, scene? It was, was it two guys where, and a girl. It was,
1: no, it was. It's not a sex scene. It's where Ben Affleck's character uh, is on the outs with Jason Lee's character because it's Joe, You know, he's in love with Joy Lauren Adams, who's a uh, who's who's a lesbian, who is also now. I just, I just worked with her on a TV show, weirdly enough. And so he proposes a threesome. Between the three of them. And it comes out of so left field that none of the characters feel like they've gotten to that point. But mm. you're just like, wait, wait. Especially his character because he pro- right. proposes it. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. The, the, the emotional glue, those scenes that you need. And sometimes the scenes are silent. Sometimes the scenes are reflective. That scene doesn't seem like it's in Chasing Amy. And you have this, you know, it feels like more of a set piece than a than a scene that the character got to. And And, your, and your movie doesn't do that. Your movie even your movie organically gets to places where it's uncomfortable and honest and dude I love chasing amy and you oh, yeah. can and you can see now where I'm comparing the two movies yeah right um well that's another movie about male friendship and a woman getting between and- right and so uh I, I just love it I I thought your movie was awesome and it didn't cheat it, it didn't cheat it was just like that's the that's the thing when you set up a, a like a quote unquote higher concept like that hey there's gonna be a love triangle you know these these tropes that we go to yeah you can easily cheat the emotional stuff you can easily cheat the character stuff it's the hardest stuff to write
0: well and I think that the comparison between Chase and amy and this film and I haven't seen that movie in forever but it, it's it was definitely a movie when I was first growing up I was like oh this is an amazing movie. I just love that movie um and was, she's a strong character um, mm-hmm. and in this movie I, I tried really hard to make sure that Meredith was a strong character who had her own point of view and that scene where she kind of tells Alex, kind of like tells him to basically f off, um, because she's you know because he's got he's all in his head about what what he wants yeah, and she's like well what what about me you idiot like you know what about, I have an opinion here um, you know because it's always hard I mean you're making a movie about two dudes uh, you want to I mean it's going to be about the two guys I mean it's called folk Her and funny guy um, but you want to try as hard as possible to give that girl give the, the female a, a strong perspective and to make it that. She's not a, she's a she has her own agency in this film as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't want to spoil anything. Um, no, but um, yeah. And I think that, the you know, this kind of thought of, you know, I grew up not necessarily, you know, I think I grew up feeling a little bit like I was a nerd or wasn't, you know, there was a certain guy that the girls all go for. And I was never that guy. If I was ever to get a girl, I would have to be charming and funny and or use you, subterfuge and lies. Use personality. no. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> subterfuge and lies. <laughs> Perhaps sometimes that too. Um but I think as you get older too, you carry a lot of that, you know, you you carry a lot of your perception of yourself when you're younger and I think a lot of people get stuck in
1: that. It, or it um, turns into animosity or yeah. just you just turn in you just become angry. Yeah. There's you, you ever go to neckbeard uh, just neckbeard things on Reddit? No. Well, I think like the, the quote unquote neckbeard community can become that because. Who are the neckbeards? Ne- the neckbeards, <laughs> I think Shane O'Hare is laughing right now. Um, That's going to be your favorite subreddit now. Is the guys who, you know, think that they're special because they hold the doors or they're polite or that they hold the purse or they're friends. But what's fucked up about it, it first off, newsflash neckbeards. We all hold doors. We all are nice. So neckbeards fancy themselves gentlemen? Gentlemen. Okay. Right? And they wear the fedoras and they're like, my lady. And, <laughs> and, and so uh, the problem is you ex- like, in the thinking that you, ex- that you are d- earn, like owed something out of that. Because oh, you're that person, she owes you something. And it just takes the actual individual that you're after out of the equation, what they want out of the equation – and that and, and so there's that animosity it was like, well, if I'm going to do all this stuff and you're just going to go off with Chad, then fuck you. <laughs> you, you know. <laughs> well, and here, here's the giant newsflash. Just be fucking nice. And what's coming right. to you is coming to you don't become impatient don't grow the animosity and don't be a jerk and so that uh, yeah dude the neckbeard you're going to you're going to you're going to totally go to the neckbeard thing and you're going to look it up and be like oh my god these well, little monsters
0: there's a movie that i really i think there's a book i really want to direct and to make into a film and i've been trying but it's not been an easy pro- process but um weirdly the game
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh by Neil
1: uh Neil Strauss, Strauss. Yeah, yeah Neil Strauss i
0: i think could be like a boogie nights
1: Um, Do you know Neil Strauss? I don't. Okay, so my friend George Rockwell and his buddy Jason, they've been on the show before. You old school geeks, remember they had a card game called Skitty Kitty. Mm -hmm. Um, It's called Skitty Kitty or is that just what I say to my dog? (laughs) (laughs) It's similar to Skitty Kitty and I just saw George at the Ren Fair two weeks ago. And we can talk about the Ren Fair Geekscape because it was my first Ren Fair, and you're like, dude, you're the host of Geekscape. How was that your first Ren Fair? Um, but I saw George Rockwell recently at the Ren Fair, and he used to work for Neil Strauss. He Uh-oh. he was one of those guys who would train dudes in confidence, and so Neil Strauss has like a school and he wrote the game I I which wonder is like he how you does, approach though, because women. he wrote another book called the truth yeah where, that he, seems where to he's be like just kidding i was doing it wrong it just felt very it just felt manipulative to say hey men it's a numbers game and i may be totally misquoting the the game but it's like it's a numbers game there's tons of women out there throw yourself as, as many as you can do these things put in the hidden insults and the little mini cutdowns like, oh, you don't. I don't think you look that ugly or I don't think you look that bad. I'm being really. They call that with nagging. It. Yeah. You, you nag the girl a little bit and then go in for the kill. You know, the game, I guess, had all these different techniques to try and get girls. Number one being just turn it into a numbers game and go, have, right. you know, and just play the field. And well, it's sort and, of. And so if you need to contact. Yeah, I would,
0: lo- I would love. I love to I think Neil Strauss is a very interesting figure, and I think totally it, the 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 character you know the character growth is actually in his second book. You know, I think he was a guy that listen. I think if you grow up, what it is basically the game is let's say you're a really good looking guy. Well, guess what? You kind of grow up naturally aloof about women because guess what? Women come to you, and therefore you don't have to work hard to, to, to get a girl's attention, and and inadvertently, like really good looking guys who have a certain kind of charisma that women like. Mm-hmm. I think naturally behave a certain way and then you have this secondary community who are trying to replicate the behavior of good-looking guys (laughs) right so it's like you know so like if you're like Wyatt Russell in real life you like probably don't even notice like some hot girls fawning all over you and therefore what happens is like guys like me then go well you actually have to behave a little bit aloof or I guess you know if you're too desperate for a girl's attention it turns them turns them off right because And I've definitely I'm sure we've all been a part of this. I've inadvertently been really cool, you know, in my real life, whereas like maybe I was distracted or something was going on in my real life. And some girl like all of a sudden is paying way more attention to me. I'm like, why? It's like, oh, my God, I was like completely like paying attention to something else or I inadvertently blew her off. And so in a weird way, I find that, listen, there's a good chance if you make a movie like The Game, everyone will call you a misogynist. Sure. Because the idea of it is really kind of it's it's almost like a, a book about manipulating women. But I think underneath it is actually a really um, vulnerable core to these characters. It's like, mm-hmm. these are just guys that are trying to meet girls. And a lot of them, you know, when I've researched, it was like, a lot of them are just guys that, like, really had, like, tough upbringing. You know, they really had a lot of... Um,
1: and they have social anxiety. Social anxiety. Yeah.
0: And I think the game, if you look at it in a, under a positive light, is like a book about trying to help guys Empower be a little more confident. Or... Maybe not treat themselves... You know, but it's a real slippery slope, but I, I think that's what makes the movie interesting and, and kind of complex. And then, then the second book he wrote, The Truth, was all about his full exploration in the world of like polyamory and three ways and this and that. Mm-hmm. And he comes out the other end kind of being like, I think being a good guy and like seeking true love is really like where it's at. And so.
1: Which is crazy. Because like like over that 10, 15 years that he made that journey and is pretty fascinating. Like we should, we should just reach out to him and say, hey, yeah. this
0: isn't like. Well, I think trying to heal the wound. So when you're trying to Come heal on, the wound, yeah. Talk to
1: my talk to my people,
0: please. I think it would, oh, I think it would be really interesting because I think he's because I think what happens is you try to heal. Like we all want to be the guy. I mean, I feel like this in my own life. You know, I've like went from a yeah, went from being a guy and, like, in like a middle school, like girls. Like I had braces and I was a nerd. Sure. Right? Oh, yeah, we all did. And in my I went well, to a, I went to a, this
1: podcast. Chances are, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I know I did. And I went to a prom sophomore year where the girl that I went with, mm-hmm. she hooked up with the quarterback of the football team at the prom ditch sure. me at the party. It's so like, oh. I lived with that little bit like, like, you, you know, right feeling there. that way. Um, and then as I gotten older, I've had like pretty easy, you know, it's like, I'm not like, uh, um, I've been, I've dated plenty of cool, pretty, beautiful girls. Right. And, but there's always a little bit of something underneath you that still feels like, am I still that other guy? Um, so that those, those like, uh, self perceptions about yourself when you're a kid stick with you a long time. Mm-hmm. um, so I don't know. I think that's like – I think a lot of us are just hurt little kids running around. And the same for women too. You know, if a girl grows up overweight, maybe she always has a bit of a bo- distorted body image no matter how she looks now.
1: In, um, I was talking to my friend Ann uh, yesterday. We were, we were both running a, a race in two weeks and we were putting in some miles yesterday. And we were just talking about that. And she said, you know what? Everybody deserves there, – there is – everyone deserves to feel desired. Everyone deserves to feel like, you know, uh, and there is, there. I truly believe there is someone out there for everyone. Because we all totally. need, we all want this connection. We all gravitate towards affection. Right. And, you know, it made me think of some of my friends who have not had a successful history with women. And I was like, you know what? You, you see them now that we're all encroaching on our 40s. Or you know, in our mid thirties, or we're in our forties, you see them start to just throw their hands up and be like, "Fuck it, guess I'm a cat guy." You
0: know, what <laughs> I mean? and, and you, or, see, and you see that, and, or they start to, or they start to um, develop negative feelings towards women.
1: Right, those animosities. And come And that's where things ne- go off the track. The, the neck beard. Way. The neck beard. He was like, "I'm just gonna sleep with my hentai pillow <laughs> that has a woman, like an anime character, printed on it." And every now and then I'll cut a hole in it, like, dude. Now you're getting dark. Well, go to this subreddit, and you're going to see some things that will um, shame you, and shame humanity for you. It's tough. I mean, we just got on the topic of this, and welcome to Geekscape again, Jeff, where we just go off on of these different tangents. Um, but but I think the 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 core, wanting to belong and loneliness and wanting to have the impatience really what we're talking about is like this impatience that that life gives you where you want to be accepted and you want to find your place. And in not doing so, you, you grow this impatience that again can turn into negative feelings towards the outside world. And you stop being present. You start looking at the future. Like, is it going ever going to come? You start looking at the past, like a, a ton of fuck ups and you're anywhere but present. And when we first meet Alex's character, he is in the grips of it. And so you're looking at two characters, one that lives in the present, and is like, fuck it, man, we're just going to play a bunch of music and I'm going to show up at this town where this woman is that I'm going to propose to. And I know she's the one he's not thinking about how he's treated her in the past. He's not thinking about like how the logistics of just crashing into her life and what it yeah, means well. for her future is. He's, he's all present. Then you got yeah. this character that Alex is playing where he's only in the future and in the past and it's making him miserable like what do i have to do to get there and what went wrong with where i was and that's uh
0: that's one of the best analysis
1: i've heard of the film (laughs) thank you (laughs) like the oil and vinegar a bit you know and it's and it's awesome well, is I, it oil and water? Oil and water. Oil and vinegar, oil do they, and water. Do they oil and vinegar is more of a
0: salad dressing. It's
1: more of a salad dressing. <laughs> I, they, that's sweet. By the end of the movie, hopefully the oil and They're complimentary. Vinegar. Hopefully they're complimentary by the end of the movie, but at the beginning of the movie, it's a little oil and water. Well, I think,
0: too, that you know they say, well, anxiety is uh, fear of the future or worrying about the future, and depression is uh, sort of a remorse for the past. Mm-hmm. And I think that's – someone told me that like last year, and I was like, oh, that's – a I never thought about it that way, but that's probably exactly what it is, and – I'm someone that suffers from anxiety. Uh, I think if you're pursuing in a creative endeavor like this, it's hard not to, what's next? What's going to happen? What's my next thing I'm going to direct? What's the, you know, can I, you know, can I, in these artistic pursuits, you get the satisfaction of doing what you want to do. But whether the money is where you want it to be is a different thing. You know, I I once heard someone say, um, it's pretty easy to make money in this world. It's pretty easy to do what you love, but it's incredibly hard to make money doing what you love. Sure. And I think that's true about this this world that we live in. Um, and I think um, those are the anxieties that I think are are presenting themselves to Alex in the film, or Paul, the character. Certainly presenting themselves to me, which is when you're in your like when you're in your 20s, it's kind of cool to be like I'm a starving artist. And it's I'm gonna happen. In a, I'm living in an apartment with three dudes, and I got time. Yeah, I got time. And then you become like 35, and you're like, Do I? I kind of want to have kids, and maybe it's not so attractive to girls now to be the, the vagabond, bohemian guy who's just sure. making it work. And, um, you know, kind of going back to what you were saying, too, about, you know, guys out there that start developing resentments for women and things of that nature. I think, it you know, ultimately, for most people I know that are having a tough time finding someone, you know, it is about working on yourself, you know, and it, you, you you can only attract someone when you finally are at peace with who you are. and and And, and I think that's what... I think sort of what Alex's character is going through in the film. I mean, it's sort of an ambiguous ending where is he going back to his day job? Is he is he going to continue doing stand-up? And the point of that, for me at least in the film, was to say, I, I don't really know what the right answer is, but there seems to be a, a inner peace about the mm-hmm. character where he's no longer worrying about the future. He's sort of just living in the present, um, which I know sounds pretty new-agey. We're recording this in L.A. <laughs> um, but yeah. So.
1: I, well, I think it's an important... Less it it is the hardest thing to do is to be present because we it's it's uncomfortable you know facing what who we are is dreadful (laughs) and we have so many. We have more distractions now than ever, and that's why, oh, people, God, yeah. that's why people did walkabouts. That's why the Aborigines would just go out into the Neva Neva, wherever the heck they would go, and just wander, or, you know, because you would have to be present. There's nothing out there but snakes, you know, and, and, instead, and instead, we are sitting here in a culture where facing our own inner demons, or our own loneliness, or acknowledging that, hey man, people go away, people die, people reject you, um... And the best way to find acceptance is to find it within first. And I've been completely doing this recently is you just have to put the fucking phone away, <laughs> you oh, know, man. put away, put away those distractions, put away the things that, that, that pull you away from being present. And guys, I'm addicted. Like I'm as addicted as everybody else. It's a real problem, you know? Um, but be in the moment. One thing that struck me, uh, yeah, because I honestly, uh, I was watching the the film. I was sitting next to our friend Coco, yeah, Quinn, and Coco Quinn, and I kept turning to her and being like, "How's he doing this? <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 how's Jeff doing this?" Because, I love you, uh, but the movie has so much uh, insight mm. that, that I found, and not only that, but but you'll have these insightful moments, uh, and then you'll you'll pull this hat trick move where it's insightful moment, hilarious moment, and. Improv, not improv. And then during the Q and A, I learned that uh, you guys had a, a lot of rehearsal. Like you guys rehearsed yeah. it quite a bit. And there it is, right there. Like if any, if ever there is a uh, testament to the power of rehearsing, it's in this movie because you saw it. Like you saw the found moments. Like you found those little golden beats that don't come into movies where people just show up on set. Like those movies do not have that. And this movie, unless the actors are phenomenal, unless they're, you know what I mean? These actors are really good, but you'd expect something like that from like De Niro or Nicholson. Those actors have to be older to do this. You know, they have to, they have to have a a wealth of tools and this is a younger movie. I think Yeah, like this is a, a movie about coming of age and those little moments that you found where I'm like, Oh, that's so honest. You know, that's really yeah. what I was asking about. Like, how do you do that? So honest.
0: Well, I think that's the the
1: one of the biggest questions you get at film festivals, and we
0: we played a lot of them this last year. Was is there improv in the movie? And I think film fans are always really curious about improv. And it's taken me a while to figure out. I come from an improv background through Second City and Improv Olympic in Chicago, and um, there are movies where you see you could tell. I mean, the filmmaker will say we improvise every line. Sure. And I actually find that that sometimes that dialogue comes across less authentic mm-hmm. because everyone's talking too much.
1: Yeah, and J- no one's quiet. James Gunn came out uh and I and I will misquote him, but uh he came out last week and during the press for Guardians 2 and he was saying that improv's overrated like it's a great way to go swimming. I've never been happy when actors do it on my things. i yeah. you know um and I think sometimes we as writers and directors use it as Again, that's our cell phone. We don't want to do the hard work of just write the fucking line. Just find the line, find the moment, find the truth. No, we'll find it on set. No, we'll improv it. You make a shot list, dude. You make a floor plan. Like you you can't do the work.
0: I have found in films I've acted in and films that I have, you know, produced and then films I've directed. This film I directed, um, it doesn't. When you, if you were to say everyone improvise it's too, there's not, there's everyone's, it's just, everyone's talking over each other and it becomes who can be funniest. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that improv, the best improvisers are the ones that really commit hard to what's the truthful moment in this scene. and You have to at least know where the scene's going. Um, But in, uh, in the rehearsal process, we'd read through the script and then the actors would be like, what if I change this line of that? I'm like, all right, I like that. Um, Or, you know, but so it's like improvising in rehearsal, rewriting, improvising, rewriting. I mean, a lot. I mean, a lot of the nights we'd have you know twelve-hour shoot days, and then I'd spend three hours rewriting a scene based upon a, a rehearsal we did right after we finished shooting for the day. And mm-hmm. we, I lived with the actors on set in Atlanta when we shot this. Wyatt, Meredith, and Alex, along with our DP Nancy Schreiber, and at, in the evenings we would be like you know eleven o'clock at night. Alex would be like, I got I got some ideas for the scene tomorrow, or and, and sometimes the actors. Right there on right before we start shooting, we're like, I'm not feeling this now, mm-hmm. I, I, or this is feeling inauthentic. And so, there would be days where we try to improvise. There was definitely a night with Merid- uh, with Alex and Meredith where long day, no, no one, had, everyone's like ready to eat, and they're like, oh, the scene's not making sense. The scene where they talk outside outside of the comedy club and meet for the first sure. time,
1: it's, that <laughs> has got to work.
0: It's got to work. And there, and it's midnight, and we're we're in one of our days where we've pushed past way past twelve hours, we're at sixteen hours or something like that. Crew wants to go home. It's freezing out.
1: And that scene has to be really honest because everybody's dealt with that scene where you you know you've just met someone that you're interested in, and it's time to go home, but you don't know the situation. You don't really know how to angle towards that phone number. <laughs> well, well, and Meredith know, Meredith and, was convinced. She's like, I, I want to be nicer to him. Right. I was like, mm, but the nicer like, would be the phone number, but
0: you, you got to be the girl. That's your cute girl. And this is a guy you don't know. I, every girl I know is kind of has to assume that he's a jerk to right. start and only at the end. Then do you warm to him a little bit? Even when he asks you if you want to drink, she, you know, we really worked on that moment. Like, I want you to like debate whether or not this is a good idea or a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Cause it, it's not until you have a drink with the guy, maybe get to know him that maybe you loosen up and, and open and become a little bit more vulnerable. Um, but we were like, you know, at some point I was like, can we just break for dinner right now? And we, everyone ate. Right. <laughs> and then we talked over the conversation while like, you know, we talked while eating and like literally sometimes people just need to eat. And, and then after that, like, this seems fine. Let's just shoot it. You know, I remember there was one thing they got hung up on about they both live in New York. And I wanted to make a statement about how I find it interesting now that artists now say, oh, yeah, I live in Brooklyn or I might I might move. Like if I meet people if they're from Chicago. Should I move to Los Angeles or Brooklyn? Mm-hmm. No one even says New York anymore; they say Brooklyn. Right. And I, I wanted to make there an nobody observation. Nobody can in the afford film. Manhattan. <laughs> right. So, but the, Meredith and Alex were like, "Well, it's just that people don't." It's you know they're getting to the real nuances of what specifically you'd say about Brooklyn. And I'm like, "All right, can we just go eat? Right. Um, but nuances and specifics are good. No, I wanted well, were, that opinion, yeah. but I was like, we need to get this scene shot. Sure. Like, we're about to like, have the crew walk off the set right, right. now. Right. Can we just get down what's on the page? And then if we can optimize this Brooklyn versus New York dialogue, which all got cut anyways. Um,
1: the, the Brooklyn versus New York dialogue did get cut, but learning that her character had gone for it and moved to Brooklyn only to have to be forced out of Brooklyn because of the price of living there. Right. felt very true. Yeah. And very authentic, and now she's back in Maryland trying to make things work, and it gave history. And I don't know if that came off the page, or if that came out of that discussion, but you're just working way towards the history of it. Um, well, she's, she's, yeah. it's,
0: she's dealt with that initial you know, I'm gonna go make it. Yeah, I got nothing but Ooh. bravery. Alright, reality sets in. It's, they're not handing out record contracts <laughs> to singer-songwriters like you might think. Right. Um, you know, I think there's a this so much of this stuff is luck, too, right? You could just be, you know, one one little audition can lead to one role that your rest of your life is kind of set, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember Amy Poehler said, the key to success in entertainment is working your ass off for 10 straight years with nothing to show for it, and then your best friend becomes famous. Sure. And because that's what happened to her, right? Tina Fey got on SNL, said you got to, you know, a bit of luck there. But also Amy Poehler probably doesn't even get herself enough credit for... She formed the UCB, sure, and she and, and it's and that's a really beautiful thing that she started, and um, you know probably unbeknownst to herself by creating that thing, she created something a for herself.
1: Huge network. I mean, yeah, I, I mean that heard of. Remember when they had their their Comedy Central show, and you're like, yeah. "What are these people running around with eye patches?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, remember the commercial for that first like Upright Citizens Brigade show, and you're like, "What is? This? What is this? What is this <laughs> word? What are these
0: words?" I knew about I knew about UCB because they came out of Chicago, sure. I O, um, but yeah, that was um, you know. It, it, so I think there is a bit of that. There's a good there's a version of Amy Poehler. I mean, I would say that Ra- Rachel Dratch is an interesting parallel, and in that Dratch was the clearest was the biggest star in a show that Tina Fey was also in at Second City called Paradigm Lost. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone was like, oh, it's Rachel Draft. She's definitely the next star of SNL. Now, she was on SNL for a good stint. I don't know if she ever quite, whatever worked for her at Second City didn't quite translate to TV as well. And then she was originally in the pilot for 30 Rock wow. as Tina Fey's friend on the show. They replaced her with, uh, is it Jenna Kikowski? Mm-hmm. So... Talk about like wow, and I mean Rachel Dratch has had a really successful career, but I suspect that it's not exactly the. Maybe the maybe she, I think Amy Poehler almost ended, ended up having the career that she wanted.
1: And it's kind of like a, just listening to other people, and this is what we get back to: like being present and self is like right. listening to other people will create those fabrications in your mind of expectation, where you're like, right. Well, everybody else says I'm super talented, and this is going to happen, and these are done deals, and then when. For some reason, the script you wrote for other people doesn't miraculously happen, which, hey, right. it's not going to happen. It's a script you wrote for other people. Uh, you find yourself with nothing but plummeting into disappointment. Um, working with Michael Ian Black. Yeah. I know it was only a scene or two, but, dude, <laughs> the state is royalty. <laughs> the yeah, state no, is the like state. comedy royalty, and well, you have like, Michael Ian Black in your movie. And well, I know you'd have David Cross, but, like, in their their royalty, too. I mean... Well, I the love three watching. shows,
0: I mean, SNL was always the, was like this sort of, SNL was never the coolest version of, of sketch comedy no. or comedy, but I mean, it's the gold but, standard yeah, somehow. Yeah, the so, standard. Right. And, um, Kids in the Hall. The Kids in the Hall was my number one. Yes. As a kid. And um, in the state. And I remember as a child, as a kid being like, hey guys, I just found out the guy that makes Kids in the Hall also makes SNL. So I think it's a secret plan. He's going to one day take the cast from Kids in the Hall, and obviously he's gonna put them all on Second City or on Saturday, well, Saturday Live. Live, yeah. And I, now I'm, I'm like, no, he's gonna have two shows on the. I didn't understand that. And that's our Canadian, generation because
1: ten years older, everybody's talking about SCTV. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're like
0: dude, you love those guys. SCTV was a little bit before my yeah, time. Yeah, that's older. Yeah. Um, and then the state was like, obviously, the you know was sort of carried that mantle, and then the state and Mr. Show were happening kind of simultaneously, or maybe maybe even Mr. Show was a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Mr. Show was even a little bit more. Um, edge, on the front of that like long form yeah. improv kind of infused sketch comedy, but you know Michael M. Black to me was always just this, was like I think a standout from the state. Um, and on the other side was David Cross, and I got to work with both of these guys in this film. And you know weirdly Michael M. Black I thought was a funny choice. I I wrote in the in the breakdown looking for a Michael M. Black type, and when I was talking to an agent at, at UTA, um, uh, Perry Ledvick, uh, who was really helpful to us. She's like, "What about Michael Land Black?" And I was like, "Well, would he even do this?" Yeah. And she's like, "Well, I can find out." And he read the he read the scene, read the script, and like within like an, a couple hours, he was like, "I'll do it." <laughs> I mean, he obviously we have to pay him and fly him down there, but sure. you know, all our actors work for basically SAG scale, and um, so yeah, it was amazing. And, and and funny enough is that
1: and it's not a loud, crazy scene. You know, no. he's, he's playing he's playing towards the center. That I just was want actually him to pretty cool. Himself. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's and, awesome. Because I, I think he's a really—I'd seen him in something else where he was—he's a really good actor. Usually, he's—he's he's brought on to be the snarky guy, and obviously, because Michael M. Black even has a bit of like a, an uh, you know, a place in the stand-up world where like he had a kind of confrontational Mark Maron episode, <laughs> yes. and um, so like he's sort of like the perfect figure to be like the, uh, you know, the the sort of stand-up cl- stand-up owner because like you know the yeah, guys that the... run these clubs often are like you know they're struggling they're so jaded.
1: so jaded so jaded.
0: Uh your life is living you're living and dying by their approval of your are set or not. Um but what was cool about originally we shot a lot more with Michael and Black. There's a longer version of it in the bonus on iTunes, there's a bonus version of the that scene. It's a lot longer. Oh,
1: that's where you want to go, GeeksKey.
0: So check that out. Um you have to pay you have to buy it, you can't rent it. But um but I think it's like only like a couple bucks more. And but what was funny was that Alex wasn't liking the stand-up I wrote for him at the club. <laughs> So it was me, Michael Ann Black, and Alex Karpovsky workshopping what the bits could be for Paul's character. And, like, so that whole, like, diagonal dick joke, yeah. that was something we just kind of made up on the fly. And I would throw out a joke. i like, uh, and I was kind of pulling from, like, old stand-up or, like, stand-up that maybe I was percolating on. I'm going through, I mean, I literally went through, like, 30, 40 jokes with Alex. And Michael Ann Black is sitting there going, nah, yeah. That that could work, and then Alex would try it on stage. <laughs> I'm losing my mind because we're like losing our day here. I'm sure. like, Alex, can you just do what's on this on the page here, and then we'll like. And but weirdly, Alex was right. The the stuff that we we he wanted something a little bit more legitimately funny for that o- opening scene than what we had, and um, and the Michael and Black scene was probably my probably my favorite scene to shoot. The scene between him and Alex because on it was one of those things where on uh, on set I couldn't believe I thought it was so funny. It was just like. But, you know, unfortunately, where it was in the movie, that first section of the movie, the first 10 minutes, we had to cut it down for, like, we cut 10 yeah, minutes get all out of that.
1: Get them on the road. Um, same, with on the road. The, same with the Hannah Simone yeah. scene.
0: We had to cut that down so much um, uh, because we just had to get them on the road, and that was mm-hmm. from our early test screening. So, but, yeah, working with him was amazing, super kind guy. Um, you know, he's got a very, like, unassuming life. He lives in Connecticut. He's got kids and a wife, you know. I, don't, I think he's like very off the grid and not in the Hollywood scene. He just sort of lives his life, and it's uh, just a very normal dude. Um, super funny though, super funny in real life, and super funny in this. I, I it, this wasn't the funniest scene you could have written sure. for him, but I would like just the idea of him representing like the stand up the stand up club owner.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like when, you know, uh, it it seems appropriate. Yeah, um, and not because of any jaded or feeling. You know, he he is that removed from the bullshit yeah that he should play the guy who would be all wrapped up in the bullshit <laughs> well he's he's self aware he's like he's like i'm a stand
0: up comedian who got stage time because i had a tv show right so there's a lot of resentment among stand ups against him um, you know, stand-ups have all these rules about what's stand-up, what's yeah. not stand-up. It's like, a punk rock. It's crowd like the punk rock, rock community. Yeah. It's
1: like, you're, you know, you can't have props, you can't have a guitar. And then, like, the punk rock community is like, you're a sellout. You know, it's like they, they think that they're so in. The you. struggle is key for them. It's like, get yeah. out of here with that shit. Well, like, you know the comedian Rory Scovel? Mm-mm.
0: He's one of my favorite comedians. You should check him out. He's, he's, he's kind of blowing up right now. And I remember watching Rory Scovel do, like, 20 amazing minutes and not any of it was written before he got on stage. It was all wow. just improvise. And I remember some community and like, yeah, well, that was just crowd work. I'm like, all right, well, his crowd work just crushed everybody else's bits tonight. So, like, maybe that's, maybe that's good stand-up. Yeah.
1: Maybe, maybe he's just funny.
0: Maybe he's just funny. Like, at the end of the day,
1: he, maybe he's just funny.
0: Like, what, what are these rules that we're living yeah. by here? And you have to have, you know, bits. And I remember I did a show at the improv, or no, uh, at, the, at the, laugh, uh, the comedy store. I did a uh, seven-minute set show run there, and everyone was dying on stage that night. And I decided I'm going to go up and just connect with the audience. And I ended up doing seven minutes of just pure like riffing talking. and talking, and and I definitely definitely killed compared to the first seven comedians that went on stage. I think
1: they just wanted something different. They want they they just want to feel authenticity. And the character is more important than the material when yes. you're doing stand-up or any kind of performance. You want that authenticity. Yeah, the character like lead us through something we came to be entertained lead us through something acknowledge that
0: we're here don't just together throw shit at us because <laughs> what happens to comedians is they just come out and they're like what's the deal with yogurt you yeah. know and, and people are like "Ugh." i just because like <laughs> we're, i was just wanted to listen to your your your, your uh, you know why don't you just play an audio tape of your stand-up then if that's all you're going to do right now right. and so but i got off stage and um i was told by the, the promoter what what did you just do? I hired you because you did that, that seven you know seven minute set last week, and it was these jokes, and now you just just went up there and free formed it. That's not stand up. He said that. Yeah, and I go, all right. And I felt actually felt like at the time I was like, oh, I really, I really, I really, violated some rule here I didn't know oh. about. And then um, I worked with this comedy manager out of the UK, a guy named Paul Dudridge, who was sort of a mentor for me at some point. He had really like managed like Michael McIntyre and. Wow. Uh, Rob, uh, Rob, Bryden and, and a lot of these guys are make they make millions of dollars a year. Yeah. To stand up. The UK scene is like completely un, like we have they have a whole different circuit of comedians than we have here. But they, it's like a it's like a you make ten million dollars a year to stand up in the UK. Here you so struggle to even, make forty thousand dollars. Not even that many
1: people. Yeah, there's a, just a very there's more well, people. Well, here. It's a
0: drinking culture. It's, a, right. it's a, there's a lot of like people that are, can go to clubs and bars very easily. And so he was the one that kind of said like. Fuck those guys. They, there's no rules of stand-up. And he was, only, was like, I want you to go on stage and do more. He's like, I want you to go on stage and start doing only unscripted. Because like, then you
1: can open up to, like, the 15, 20, 35 minutes, and, like, you become programmable. You you, like,
0: you become fluid to move around yeah. and to keep the entertainment going. Whereas if you stick to us uh, you know, the biggest death for a stand-up comedian is you have a set that kills, and then what do you do? You try to do the exact same set the next night, and it dies.
1: That's like winning an Oscar. How many How many Oscar-winning – actors or directors have you seen that make the same movie they just got on the Oscar right. or play that role for the next 10, 20, 50 years. You know? it's right, like, it, it, oh. it burns out. Wow. Um, so Geekscape, is the movie is called Folk Hero and Funny Guy, uh, uh, Funny Man. Folk Hero and Funny Guy. guy. I wrote funny. Why did I do that? You you watched me write this, and I read it. That's why I don't write things down. I just write bullet points. <laughs> I don't trust myself. I should trust myself. Okay, it's not,
0: it's, I think maybe of all the things Positive qualities of the film. I might have made a confusing title,
1: <laughs> but look up folk hero and funny guy. Uh, and there, of course, if you want to see it on the big screen, Guy dot com. I did want to talk to you guys about the Ren Fair. It was my first Ren Fair. Have you been to the Ren Fair? I've never been to a Ren Fair. It was. I'm, it's fun. I'm curious. But you. I mean, you think it's exactly what you think it's going to be. It's a bunch of people wearing like leather and corsets, some beautiful women mm-hmm. and some neckbeards. It's a great place to go see neckbeards um and a lot of drinking it, it is very much a drinking culture when you go to the ren fair a lot of people just go and they go right to the tents with the beer uh or the turkey legs or the funnel cake or the you know there's tons of food it's when, a little it's how a little often do this happen like all the time uh, in la it's once a year That's and it? it lasts for about six weeks is it going on now it's going on it's going on i think for one more weekend do i have to wear a costume uh, I there are themed days and I went on steampunk day and all I had were these goggles. From, Wait, you're
0: wearing steampunk attire at the Ren Faire?
1: Well, it's like if the people at the Renaissance Fair 300 years later discovered steam engines and flying ships. Sure, um, it, it, I think it, I think they just take like a nerd concept <laughs> like steampunk and just yeah, like it could be over vampires the one day. Or but, this so was that. there like, a vampire Ren Faire? I don't know. I saw a couple vampire-looking people walking around, but I thought that was just the Ren Fair. Like I saw people in like black walking around, like they were freaking right out of Bram so if Stoker. I, if
0: I go wearing kind of bizarre attire of some sort, you're in. I'll, I'm in, but totally. I can't just wear like a button-down shirt. Yes, and, and, you absolutely can. Jeans. There
1: were some. There were some normal people walking around. Some people who looked normal. I looked normal, except I just had, I had a baseball hat on, and I just put the goggles on because I was like, I have these, you know, and they were from uh, Psychonauts, which is this video game where the main character wears goggles, and I got them in the mail from loot crate our sponsor sent them to me and i was like oh i love that game i'm gonna in the steampunk themed crate no no it was a video game crate video game crate. but it was from the video game and they were their steampunky goggles <laughs> i had those on my hat and people were like oh that'll do but there are people dressed as like lord of the rings and stuff like that. and then tons of normal people are you rolling solo to this
0: thing do you know anyone there
1: here's the crazy thing i went with some friends and there were so many of my friends there who had gone independently I ran into so many people. Uh, because, so the comic con, hey, it's geekscape. You know, it's like a big over, there's a big Venn diagram overlap. Yes, very much. Um, but then again, like I run into like George Rockwell, who worked for Neil Strauss and had been yeah. on the show, and like I run into people who are just there to have fun. On Instagram, I'm seeing friends of mine who aren't geeks at all, uh, and they're going just to hang out and because it's something to do and drink. And kind of have a fun time. The joust is kind of cool. Like the actual jousting with horses and knocking shields off of each other's chest. That's pretty exciting. Um, The musicians are really good. The magicians are really good. There's tests of strength. There's dagger throwing, archery. Um, It started raining while we were there. It's very rare that it rains in Southern California, but we've right. been getting rain and it started raining and getting a little cold and people were like, Now it's exactly like England. Let's go. <laughs> uh, and we were gonna leave, but at the last minute we were like, You know what? No. We gotta go back. Like we're out here. What part of LA is this? It was out on like the two ten, so it's it was out in like Arcadia almost. And so we'd driven out there. It doesn't matter that it was gonna rain. We're going to fucking be at the Ren fair, And so the the rain passed and we had some soggy fun running around. Um, I think t- t- i want to check it out this going. weekend. My my girlfriend and I. If you're looking for something to do, it's like, yeah. She wants to go to something called Smorgasburg? The thing downtown where you pay for a ticket and you can walk around eating food.
0: This sounds like a cooler version of that or a more immersive experience. You're
1: going to want to bring cash. Some of the stuff is overpriced. At you know there. the French yeah, because like a turkey, like for like twelve bucks, it's like come now on are there now. worms and stuff crawling worms. like in the foods?
0: Like they would be in the Middle of the times or
1: no? No, you. I mean, hopefully you don't get like dysentery or like hopefully <laughs> you don't get like you know scarlet fever or anything that's like you know. I think though, I think a lot of the things that they had in the Middle mid, you know medieval ages was. I hope most of that stuff has been uh, cured. Yeah. But uh well, no, I think they still have I think they
0: still have food inspectors. There's a bit of a war on the science right now, so we might go back to those times soon.
1: Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Um yeah, don't don't get your shots. Um we'll see. No, it's fun, but uh I think it's like 25 bucks to get in. So just be ready for that and I think if you Google it, you can find coupons or places where you go and you like get a you know, it's like on soda can, local soda cans or something have like a discount ticket or something. I, th- I, know I need we to can, look through my local soda. But you know cans. what I mean? Like when you go to like Wendy's or something right. or like one of those places and it's like Legoland coupon or something like that, I think there's a Ren, I think there are Renfare coupons floating around somewhere. So just Google it. it. might be at Ralph's. It might be at the, at the supermarket. Right, I'm going to look, look for a Renfare coupon. Just Google that. LA Renfare coupon. I'm totally going back. How many hours do you suggest? I can't wait carving out in your day to do it
0: six seven hours six seven hours All
1: right. yeah i want to go back uh but i think this is the final weekend coming up so it could be packed uh yeah if it's if the weather's good uh, i also like that the rain cleared a lot of people out yeah that helped but um i am going to vermont so Geekscape is next week you guys are going to get another remote episode that is not here in the westwood one studios um i am headed to vermont to take part in the Stowe Story Labs that I got invited to work on my screenplay in Stowe, Vermont. Uh, They were nice enough to invite me, and it was cool, and hopefully the script gets where it goes. But I'm going to have the two founders of the Stowe Story Labs as my guests. We're going to be talking a lot of screenwriting next weekend. So for those of you guys who are filmmakers who want to learn about going to rural Vermont and... Uh, sitting amongst, like, it looks like bridges in Madison County up there. Like, everything is an old barn or an old bridge and beautiful. Uh, We're going to be up in stone uh, next episode. We'll be talking about screenwriting. That is coming up. But the thing you got to do right now is you got to go look up Folk Hero and Funny Guy on iTunes, VOD. So if you're on your PS4, go ahead and hop over to the store and get it. Um, And, of course check folk hero and FunnyGuy.com for the dates. If you really, I'd love for you guys to go see this movie in the theater. It's a lot of fun and the music's really good and it has that live element to it. Um, so go support Jeff. He's been with us years. Uh, he started this movie with us. He's continuing this movie with us. And you know what? When he finally gets that script going for the next one and he finds it and he's ready to roll. We'll be here for him there too. Cause he's family. Um in your family too. So thanks for listening. Um, Thanks, guys. Geekscape is support our sponsors at uh lootcrate.com. Go to lootcrate.com slash geekscape, put in the promo code Geekscape, and uh get a discount off your subscription box. There's all sorts of cool stuff. We're gonna be at Comic Con. Um we'll be we'll have a booth, come find us on the floor, and maybe we'll do a meetup or something. Maybe we'll do some live Geekscape episodes from the floor. We're gonna do all sorts of fun stuff with our partners here at Westwood One. So stick with us. If there's somebody who you think would love Geekscape, recommend us to them. Uh, There's some radio ads that have been playing uh, through the Westwood One network that I think is pretty cool. We have some advertisements. But if there's anybody out there who you think would love Geekscape, recommend it to them. They can pull it down off of any podcatchers they have access to. We're right there. And we've been there for 10 plus years. So we'll be here next week. Love you guys. Peace.